Father, we do uh, thank you once again for the opportunity, Lord, to just gather together how great it is, God, to lift up our hearts and our voices. And thank you for giving us talented people to lead us in that and, and uh, talented people to write those lyrics and, and put them together. What a joy it is. And I pray that our hearts would continue in that, that place, that attitude, Lord, of, of worship as we get into your word and, and God, just dive in tonight to see what you have for us. Lord, I know that, uh, uh, just as Pastor Rob shared, I know that we're coming from a lot of different places, different things going on in our lives, different emotions. And I know that your word is powerful and effective and can touch every single one of those. And especially as Paul's writing to that group of believers there in, in Colossae that are kind of having a hard time putting things together, Lord, I pray that as we read this, it would just bring us to that place where we're strengthened and encouraged in you. So God, we give you this time tonight, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we uh, are going through this, Kind of, he kind of now gets into some practical, although I think last week it was a little bit practical also. Remember last week as we looked at it, Paul was dealing with kind of the, some of the things that they were dealing with and things that we deal with. And as far as legalism, he brought up the whole uh, 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 thought against legalism and then mysticism. And mysticism is the one that I think bothers me the most. Maybe it's because I'm from Bisbee and kind of that mystical sort of thing. And, you know, some of you need to know Bisbee wasn't always that way. For a while, Bisbee was a mining town and very redneck, and uh, then they switched. So, uh, but anyway, you got that whole mysticism, and, and uh, then you have the asceticism, and some people kind of even called in. I don't even know what that is. We got some emails and different things not knowing what asceticism is. Bottom line, it, and, and it's not as popular today in the extreme, although some people still do it, asceticism is I'm going to put my body down and, and not feed it, not take care of it. I'm going to wear rags and I need to separate myself from things of the world so that I can be holy, kind of, is what they do. And, and there was a time of the monastic movement where, where certain men would do that. So that Paul came against all of that and talked about that. But the interesting thing he told us, I think it's verse 20 or 21 in chapter 2. This is verse 20. He says, since we died with Christ. So he brought that up. Listen, we died to the things of this world. Now in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, if then or since you were raised with Christ. I kind of like the idea that he brought up. Hey, yeah, we died with Christ. We need to know that that old man died. But also, the new man was raised and, and the whole resurrection life. So here's what he's going to do. He's going to kind of talk about what that should mean practically in our lives. And I think it's important because he just came against the whole mysticism, kind of mystic sort of thing. Listen, we're not raised with Christ in a mystical sort of sense. We're raised with Christ. And we need to understand that it should have practical implications on how I live my life and how I function in this world. So that's, you know, and obviously the being dead in Christ would do that too. So Paul now is kind of getting into me, for me, some real practical things. How can I, as a believer, walk in this world and not get messed up by this world? We're in this world, and we're kind of walking through. How do I keep it from getting a hold of me 
and getting me off track. So, again, in verse 1, if then, and that if there is, is worded is in such a, a way that it's more like since then, you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Do you get up in the morning and remind yourself of who you are. We sing about it, right? I'm a child of God. What does that mean? What does that practically mean? It's good lyrics and it's fun to think about, but hey, if I'm a child of God, the one who saved me right now, right now he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. What does that mean for me practically? Well, what it means for me practically is all of that power Jesus is giving to me so that I can have victory over sin. And here's what he's saying. Start setting your mind on that. When you get up in the morning, start thinking of that. This is who I am. This is where I am. I've been raised with him, and I shouldn't look at the world around me. And again, not that we ignore it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I don't let it creep in and define how I'm going to do my day, what I'm going to do during the day. I allow the reality of being raised with Christ define who I am and how I'm going to live today and the things I'm going to do and hopefully the things I'm going to touch and et cetera. So listen, this is real practical. So, And I, I wonder if how many of us seek the things that are above, that we put energy in to this thing called Christianity. As he's talking about that, listen, how do I seek the things that are above? It's not that I just get starry-eyed and start, you know, get a telescope and start doing that. What I start thinking about is I get into the Word. What is this relationship all about? What does it mean? And how do I flesh it out? How do I walk it every day? Well, I start getting, quote, heavenly-minded. Now, I know there are those, you know, that old saying, you can be so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. That's for people that are religious, I think the more heavenly-minded you get, the more earthly good you will be because you have a proper, listen, you have a proper perspective on the world that we live in and a proper attitude towards people, places, and things. So here's what he says. You and I sense, right? We were raised with Christ. We need to seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above not on things, or, or not on things on the earth. So once again, we have to be a little bit cautious because some people like, it, it always cracks me up when you start reading people and looking at things like some go like way to some extreme and I can't think about anything on earth. How am I gonna live here if I don't think about things on earth, right? How am I gonna live here if I'm not somebody who's I'm conscious and aware of the place I'm actually living. Hey, I gotta be conscious and aware of clothes that I put on and you know places I go, the way I drive, the way I conduct. So listen, he's not talking about I just totally turn off things on the earth. But here's what he's saying. You don't allow that to define you. And we start being people, listen, we start being people that, here's the thing, I set my mind on things above. And I start thinking about that and placing that. And again, it's not just like, man, I can hardly wait to get to glory. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But listen, it's more like, what does all of this mean here now as I'm walking through this world, dealing with situations, 
All of us have to deal with different things. We're in different places in life. Different things are coming our way. Different situations, different circumstances are hitting us. How can I get through difficult circumstances? Well, we can get through those circumstances by having a heavenly mind, by understanding who I am in Christ, what Christ has done for me, how I am set free from some things, maybe even some things coming in and destroy us. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about having victory as we walk through things, not completely becoming unaware of the world around us because it's there. And then, listen, then he says this. He says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you believe that? Do you believe your life is hidden with Christ or in Christ with God or with Christ in God? That's where we're really at, the reality. And once again, as we begin to believe that, we begin to have power and victory over sin that comes against us, over temptations that come. And we begin to have victory where those are not overtaking us and even our emotions. Hey, we go through life, we have emotions, right? Something happens and we wanna react certain ways. Sometimes we wanna be really sad. Sometimes we wanna be really mad. Sometimes we wanna be really violent and we do those things. So listen, listen. He says, remember who you are. You're with Christ in God. You're not part of this. Listen, and you let's begin to allow this to fade back and the reality of who we are. So that's Paul's whole point. He's like thinking about who we are. If we really died with Christ and we really rose with Christ, we're different. We're not the same. When a person is born again, they're different. It's not, listen, it's not just labels, and it's not just mysticism, and it's not just legalism. It's a reality, and as that reality sinks in my life, my life is going to be lived differently. And I'm going to look at things differently, I'm going to approach things differently, and I'm going to begin to glorify God with my life, with, listen, without even thinking about it, because it's who I am by nature. So he says, get this in your heart and understand that and understand you're hid with him and you're in that place. And then he tells us, when Christ, who is our life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Woo, yes. That's like, yes. I wrote down these scriptures. Here's just a couple scriptures dealing with us being with him and being glorified with him. And it's interesting that we, listen, we, we have all of this information, but we don't dwell on that enough that when Christ appears, I'm gonna appear with him in glory. And that is a reality that's going to happen in my life. Why? Because I'm born again. Because I've been changed. So Paul, listen, encouraging these people, trying to get them to understand, don't be somebody that you're taken aside by some kind of person putting trips on you and telling you what to do, certain days to keep, certain foods to eat, to do that sort of thing, the legal list. Don't be taken aside by the person who's acting all mystical. Well, you know, if you, if you live like me. And those guys always have like, like, they always have like weird eyes. But, you know, if you live like me, you know, you'll have this thing. And, and you know, they're always so like out there. Don't be taken aside by that. 
And especially don't start, do not touch, do not taste, do not do that. Start, here's what he says. Understand who you are in Christ. Believe who you are in Christ. And start living the reality of who you are in Christ. Are you, are you tracking with it? Because this is important, I think, for all of us to get. So he says, hey, here's, that's what we need to do. That's the direction we need to go. So if that's a reality, and if our life is really hid with Christ in God, and we're that person, what is that gonna now, now, you know, he kind of explained it all. Now let's get really, really practical about it and make this a reality. So how does it affect us? Here's what he says, therefore, right? So since all of that's true, verses one through four are true, he says, therefore, put to death your members which are on earth. Now listen, as he starts talking about this, here's what some people say. Well, back in verse 21 or 20, he already told me I was dead in Christ. Now he's telling me I was risen with Christ. Now why do I have to put to death? Have you noticed that your body doesn't really know that you're born again at oftentimes? It tries to drag you and that, you know, that old man kind of raises his head inside of you and tries, so here's what he says. Make a conscious effort that that's not who I am. Somebody wrote a story about, a, I guess, a couple twin girls that were like real party goers and stuff, and, and then they got born again, and they got invited to some big bash, big party thing that, that was a big extravaganza, and they wrote back and they said, we would really, we regretfully have to decline your invitation because we died. It's kind of cool to think about, right? Hey, when, when somebody's trying to drag you into something, just tell them, you know what, I'd really love to go with you, but I died. Because that's the reality, right? I died with, so put, and he says, listen, start putting those members to death, and then here's the thing, he's gonna list some of these, and we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit, but listen, as he lists them, he says, put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So listen, he lists here for us five things and kind of brings them out. Now, again, fascinating, here's just a few verses on this same list that come up over and over and over. Why do you think we get a list that's very similar over and over and over? Why do you think that happens? Because those are the things we struggle with. Those are the things that are coming against us. So we need to understand. So, so when he says put to death, it's just like Jesus, right? And the gospel says if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, I don't think Jesus was speaking literally. Or, listen, if we did that literally, we would just be blobs, right? Because he says, if your eye causes you sin, pluck it out. If your ear, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have seeing, we wouldn't have hearing, we wouldn't have arms, we wouldn't have legs. So obviously he was saying, we need to take sin serious and take action against it. And here's what Paul says, you need to take it serious and you need to put it to death. Now, once again, I don't think he's talking about execution. He's talking about we need to be people just like those two girls. I'm dead to that. That doesn't no longer have power over me, and I'm not going to allow it to happen. So fornication, fornication, I think we know, but, you know, again, a definition. Fornication is any kind of sexual activity outside the bonds of marriage, but even here it might even have some stuff in marriage and as far as adultery and stuff. And he's saying, listen, put that to death. 
we live, and it's interesting, four of these five things, and maybe all five of them, have a lot to do with sexuality, which is the world we live in. Our world's so corrupt right now with, with sexuality that we have to be careful. So as believers, we gotta pay attention. And we gotta be somebody that, hey, I'm not part of that anymore. Even if you're trying to drag me into that, no, I'm sorry, I died. I died. And I'm not gonna let that. So, you know, fornication is that. And then the next one is uncleanness, which is kind of a filthy mind and full of sensuality. It's kind of the original language here. So once again, going along that same way. And we gotta protect our minds. How do we protect our minds? How do I get victory over something like that that's just maybe a mental thing? For my life, here's what I found. I fill my mind with Scripture. And I get in his word, I memorize his word. You know, I try, I try and get it in. I put that watch light. And listen, I don't want those things in my head. I don't want them to be there. And so I'm, I try to be careful. I would love to tell you I'm 100%. But then I'd get struck by lightning. <laughs> listen, but you start working that way. You're somebody who you consciously, once again, wait a minute, and, you know, Satan is, Satan is, is that guy, he's going to come knocking, right? Right when you, I'm going to put that to death. And then even tonight, even tonight, he's going to come knocking. And here's what we have to say. Wait a minute. I died to that. Did you be trying to trick me? I died to that, and I rose again, and I'm going to set my mind on heavenly things, not those things. And I'm going to be understanding that I'm hid with Christ in God, and you can't touch me. So... He says that, listen, so we have, we have the uncleanness. Passion is more of a depraved affection and uncontrollable desire, an erotic love that, that is all around us, right? Does it blow your mind what they, that they have to use sex to like sell you a hamburger? Like I'm thinking, I just want a hamburger. That's all I want. And I have to like, and I'm thinking, why is that going on? Like you want to, poke your eyes out and do stuff. And all I wanted was a hamburger. But listen, we have to be people who are conscious of that and we don't allow that, again, to corrupt us and come in. So then you have evil desire, which is, you know, I, I wrote down, is wicked or bad lust controlled by our sin nature. Remember, the old man died, but we still have that sin nature and it's controlled and for evil, and we have to remember, so we have to put that away. So listen, I think those four are obviously all sexual sins, sexual temptations that we have to deal with. And I think they're very appropriate things to think about for the United States of America, for the church in the United States, because it's rampant in our country. And so we need to battle that in the world. So all of those, and then the last one is covetousness, which is idolatry. And he could be talking about, again, in that sexual uh, way that you're covetous of others. But I think he's also talking about greed. And, you know, the whole idea of covetousness is, and, and whether it's, you know, a physical thing or a or a, a sexual thing is I have a lot but I want more and I can't get enough of that whether we're talking about material things or again sexual and he says listen that's idolatry and we need to understand that so here's what we need to do we need to get up tomorrow morning and we need to understand who we are 
in Christ. We need to set our minds on heavenly things, understand that my life is hid with Christ in God, and I can say no to all of these things. I can put them to death as they come my way and as they approach me. So I, again, I think it's very practical. And here's what he says about these things. He says, listen, you need to deal with those things because, verse six, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. When you get into those things and you live in that world, we need to always remember the wrath of God is gonna come on the things of this world. And not necessarily, listen, if you're born again, I'm not talking about if you get caught up in a temptation, the wrath of God is coming on you. But when you begin to look at those things and you begin to be drawn that way, and you know, listen, they're all temptations, and starts dragging us that way, here's what you need to remember. The wrath of God is coming on all that. I need to not touch that. I need to not be close to that. Because the wrath of God is coming and that's not who I am. I am a child of God. We sang that, didn't we? And I'm hid with Christ in God and I don't need to do that because the wrath of God is coming on that. And I need to understand that and I need to stay away from that. And I think if we got a good picture of that and had an understanding, we would kind of run from some of those things. I think I shared with you years ago, I, I was uh, uh, reading a book by George Verber, who was a founder of Operation Mobilization. And I don't remember the title of this book, but all I remember is he was, well, you know what, I don't think it was a book. I think it was a tape I was listening to. You know, they used to have little square things that you put in a tape player and, and uh, do that. And I just remember he was talking about temptation. And it was kind of interesting because he was talking to some you know, big missions conference. And, you know, when you're tempted by the opposite sex, I, I remember he said that, and he goes, and I know none of you ever are doing that, which he was being sarcastic. So listen, there's a temptation. And here's what I remember he said. Always look at that person. Maybe you look at somebody, you think they're attractive or whatever. Then you ask God to make that person the biggest, ugliest, nastiest monster you've ever seen in your life and ask him to make that real in your life and here's what you can do. You're gonna run every time you see that person. Now, that person might be offended that you're running from him and not like you, but it's okay. It's worth it, isn't it? Because you're saving yourself. So here's what, and Paul's kind of saying the same thing here. Look at those things and make them, make them something that's so hideous you understand exactly what's going to happen and you run from them rather than being attracted to them. So he says, listen, that comes and then he reminds them in verse seven, he says, listen, the wrath of God is coming upon sons of disobedience, verse seven, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived with them. Here's what he's saying. Remember where you were. I don't think there's anything wrong with remembering who you were before Christ. Because if you're truly born again, you're not going to like that individual. And you're going to be glad you're not that way anymore. You're going to be glad that God redeemed you out of that. I live close to where I grew up. I, we're, I pastored close to where I grew up. And some of you have told me, you meet some people from Bisbee and you'll tell them, you know, I go to that church and they'll say, is that the one Pat does? And then they shake their head. And I tell you guys, always tell them, that Pat died. He's dead. And there's a new Pat doing what he does. And we need to, hey, you live that way once, you surely don't want to. I messed up my life for 31 years. 
I don't want to mess it up anymore. And I understand, listen, I understand, trying to live that way is a dead end every single time. So I want to be over here. So Paul says, don't ever forget that. Remember that. Now, that was kind of dealing with, I think, some flesh issues and what's going on. And, you know, some of us maybe have, have a good victory in that area. We're kind of settled, and, and some of you are going, dude, I just, I, I don't really struggle that way. Well, there's more. Because, listen, God loves us and cares about us, right? So, listen, some of you are going, well, you know, I kind of wasted my time coming to church tonight. No, you didn't. Verse 8, verse 8's for you. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, and put those out of your mouth. So, listen, now we're dealing with some emotion, right? Now we're dealing with kind of, kind of I think all of us struggle in these areas. Maybe some of us are a little bit more mild-mannered than others. But listen, man, I think they come towards us and they, and they come after us. And we need to understand, listen, here's what he says. He says, put to death the members that are sexual, right, that are drawing you that way. Here's on these, here's what he says about these. He says, listen, you need to Put these off. In other words, he's talking about like taking off a dirty shirt and throwing it over in the corner. Oh, the only guys do that. Sorry, ladies. But, you know, you throw it over, you throw it, let's say you throw it outside because I don't want to get, start a big fight. So you get rid of it. Listen, get rid of these things. And the very first one he talks about is anger. And listen, again, anger, listen, here's what some people tell me. I have good anger. No, you don't. We like to think, you know, listen, some of us like to think, you know, well, I'm like Jesus. And Jesus can be angry and not sin, and that's me. No, that's not. Have you ever gotten to the place where you're angry and you say things you wished you would have never said? You wish you could do that and bring it back in. And it happens, listen. And he says, well, you and I, listen, we need to put those things off. We need to be people that we're not allowing that. And here's what I found in my life. If I recognize when I do it, then the next time I have more victory over it. And he says, God, don't be somebody who says, no, that's not me. Yeah, it's that. And then, and then you know, so anger then, anger often turns into wrath. And, and I like one person said this definition, anger is often kept in. Wrath is that anger that bursts out all over people, right? And that's usually, man, we go, and then it's like, where did that come from? Well, it's because I let anger build up. And I didn't let it go. I didn't put, give it to God. I didn't do those things. And now I have that. And listen, this isn't the same as the wrath of God that was going to be expressed. This is like our wrath is like an instantaneous dumping of bleh, right? And he says, don't do that. Put that off. And then, listen, and then he says, malice. Because here's what I found. When I get angry and wrath comes out, what usually happens? Malice. I say things I regret. I say things I never wished I would have said. Even if it's, you know, and it's not always just somebody close to you. Sometimes people make you mad and, you know, you watch the news and then you start saying things and then you wish you wouldn't have said those things and you want to do wrong to that person. You're looking at how to get them. And listen, man, we are so messed up as a country right now. We need to get this under control. 
and we need to be careful. And he says, so not only do you have the malice, then you have blasphemy, and it can be against man, but usually when we think about that, it's against God, but it can be against, against another person. And so you're saying blasphemous things, and then lastly, filthy language. You just start spewing, cursing, yelling, doing stuff. And here's what Paul says. Put that off. Get it out of you, get it off, and don't be that person. Don't act like that. Don't let that happen. And he says, listen, as we do that, do not, verse nine, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Wow. Stop lying to each other. What do you mean lying to each other? We're the body of Christ. Don't be lying to each other. And I think part of that can even be, you know, sometimes somebody greets you, how are you doing? I'm fine. No, you're not fine inside. What are you lying to me for? Say how you really are. Well, I don't want to be a downer. Stop lying to each other. Isn't it interesting that you put that in there? You know, you know here's the thing, and, and, and here's what I find interesting is he says, do not lie to one another. That's implying that they're lying to each other, right? Stop doing that. Why are you doing that as a body of Christ? Well, because we want each other to feel good, or we're lying to each other about bad things. But stop it. Be honest, be open, be truthful. I don't believe you can be heavenly-minded and set your, thing, your mind on things above if you're doing that list of five things, if you're in that anger, those emotional places, or if you're lying to each other. Then you're just fooling yourself. And listen, I'm not saying you're not born again, but you're not walking the walk, and you're not enjoying your relationship with Jesus, and you're not maturing as a believer. You're just kind of treading water and staying in the same place. I want to grow as a Christian. I want to grow up. I want to be, you know, someday I want to be an adult Christian. I think I'm in kindergarten right now. So I'm looking forward to getting out of kindergarten, going to real school with real books and doing those sort of things. So he says, listen, you've got to start taking steps. Do not lie to other. Uh, he says, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Oh, since you're born again, don't do that. Do what? Lie to each other. Don't be phony baloney. Be real. Why? Because you're a new creation in Christ, right? I believe, listen, I believe with all my heart, I'm a new creation in Christ. I believe the old man died and the new man's come alive. And I want to walk like that. I don't want to walk like the world does. So he says, listen, stop lying to each other, right? Do not lie to each other since you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed, now listen carefully, in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Oh, now we're kind of getting into the thing. Here's what I really need to do. I need to be somebody who I'm in the word of God every day so I grow in the grace and the knowledge of who I am and who God is. And as I study his word and get into his word, I am going to change. It is going to impact my life. I think anything, right? Anything you put a lot of effort in is gonna change you. You're gonna get better at it. 
right? No matter what it is, whether it's a, a sporting event, whether it's some kind of craft, some kind of trade, doing something, the more time you invest in it, the better you are at it. And listen to this. How often have you ever heard so-and-so lives for sports or so-and-so lives for glamour? Or, you know, you say that, right? Wouldn't it be good to have somebody say this about you? Well, Pat, he lives for Jesus all the time. That's his life, right? Wouldn't that be good? Well, that's what Paul's talking about. And so listen, we start, we start with that, that mindedness, but then he says, listen, the new man is renewed in the knowledge of him. As I grow more knowledgeable about God, my life changes radically. And I allow that knowledge to sink in and be a real thing in my life. And I'm not just keeping God. Listen, I don't just come to church to show up with people so that I feel good and I did my duty. We're supposed to be people who are doing this every day, all day, and we're living with him. We come to church to be strengthened, to be built up so that we can do the work of the ministry that God has called us to do. We gather together here to go out there and influence the world. So he says, listen, this is the important thing. Now, now check this out. Because I, I think this is very important for our culture. He says, listen, having put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. Oh, here's an interesting thing he just brought up. He just brought up this whole thing that, Calvary Tucson's doing a thing tonight. I announced it on critical race theory and what that's all about. And they had asked me to come and sit on the panel, but I love you guys more. <laughs> and a couple other things went south, but anyway. But here's the thing. I believe, listen, we start looking at all that and we can get all caught up in the whole woke thing and cancel culture and everything that's going on. The answer is always for me the same. It's called Jesus. No matter what's going on. And listen, listen to what he touches here. As he lists these things, he deals with racial things, he deals with religious things, he deals with cultural things, and he deals with, the last thing, he deals with social. And listen carefully. He says, you need to understand, in Christ, all of that goes away. There's not a whole bunch of different races in Christ. There's one. It's called believers, born-again people. Doesn't matter what color we are. Doesn't matter what our background, ethnicity doesn't matter. He just said, man, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Now, did all those people lose their Jewishness or their Greekness? No. Why is there neither Jew nor Greek? Because everybody's equal when we come to the foot of the cross. We're all the same. Amen. And he says, you've got to know that. And then he says, not circumcised or uncircumcised. That's religion. It always bothers me when people act like they're a little bit better. I don't even, you know what? I get uptight when churches say, well, you know, you should be at our church because our church is the best. Although I think our church is the best. That's why I come here. But we have to be careful, right? And we have to watch out. And he says, listen, we're all the same. 
And then he deals with some that some of us are not real familiar with as he gets into some cultural things. He says there's neither barbarian, barbarian or Scythian. Most of us don't even know what they are. The Scythians were like some, the Scythians were like the people that nobody likes, you know? They were like the raiders and, and not like the, not like the Nevada Raiders, but, but the, you know, not like the football team. But they were the people that were doing all And nobody liked them, man. They were like, nobody likes these people. And barbarians are obviously, you know, barbaric and crude and rude and stuff. And he goes, none of that matters. Here's one thing I love about our fellowship. Is you can come as you are. And you can come in here, and it doesn't matter. You can dress up if you want. You'll only do it twice. But you can dress up if you want, and you can come, you can come and, and be very casual. You can come and be over-casual at times. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You see, we're able to accept everybody. I look around this body, and I'm so blessed to see people that are all different. Listen, different races, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, I'm amazed in our, in, in, in our staff meeting the different backgrounds we have and we all come together and we're united. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. And so he says, listen, that doesn't matter. And then the big thing, you know, well, not the big thing, but the other thing is the whole social thing. The social thing, listen, we don't divide over the haves and the have-nots. We don't divide over what somebody, you know, what somebody may have. We don't make them a better person. Doesn't matter whether you're a slave or free. Doesn't matter. And you have to remember in their generation, slaves were considered living tools. That's kind of that's gross, right? He says, but it doesn't matter. We're all coming together. And then what does he say? None of those matter. Why? He says, but Christ is all and in all. What is it about? It's all about Jesus. And we can try and solve these problems philosophically, we can try and, you know, get together and come up with a bunch of philosophy about how do we fix these things, or we can come together in Christ and let him fix all those things. And so here's what Paul's telling you and I. Here's what he's saying. Quit trying so hard and get a grip on who you are. And when you get a grip on who you are, it is going to become something that's natural within you. And as I live my Christian life, as I hang out with believers, those that I find that are the most successful in combating sin, the most uh, gracious in life, are those who realize who they are and they're not struggling and striving they're just living. And they're allowing that fruit to be born by the power of God inside them. That's who we are. So let's don't forget that. And let's not get caught up in all of the hubbub that goes out there and all of the stuff that goes on and the world trying to, you know, here's what I found. The world's not gonna fix it. Guess what? The government's not gonna fix it. The only thing that's going to fix it is Jesus Christ. And you and I, you and I have the answer for the world. We just got to go out there and give it. And we got to change. You guys hear me say it all the time. We got to change this place one heart at a time. 
going to one person and sharing with them and being that light that Paul calls us to. So, practically, I died with Christ, so I don't have to worry about certain things. And practically, I've been raised with Christ, which gives me a whole different perspective on my world if I allow it to. And that's a big thing. We can either allow it to or you can get caught up in it. I don't want to get caught up in this world. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you for just getting this challenge in here. And Lord, it's, it's kind of easy sometimes to get focused on the things and different, different debates and different stuff going on and, and get all caught up in that. And yet, God, you've called us to be light in the midst of darkness. Not darkness with darkness, but light in the darkness. And as I read this section again, I just think of, God, I know I need to work on getting a, a grip on who I am in Christ and what does that mean and how that's gonna influence what I say, what I do, how I think, how I approach things. It's gonna affect my worldview. And I thank you, I thank you that my mind can be renewed day by day. That I can grow in the knowledge of you who created me and I can become more like you. So Lord, I pray, I pray for myself, I pray for brothers and sisters that we would have an understanding and not just, not just read a section of scripture and here's 11 verses and you know, that was dealing with the Colossians and what they were going through and, and you know, it's different for me, but we would understand your heart for every single generation is to bring you honor and glory, not through struggle and strife, but by allowing you to live through us and in us. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer and maybe you're here tonight and, and you've never come to the place where you've asked Jesus to take control of your life. You've asked him to come in. You've confessed to him that you're a sinner, asked him to come in and change you and, and uh, guide you. Listen, if you haven't done that, tonight's the night to do that. Right now is the time to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says and you will be saved. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and it's gonna be a simple prayer. You're gonna admit to God you're a sinner. That shouldn't be hard. Number one, it just shouldn't be hard because I think we all know but it shouldn't be hard also factually because the Bible says we've all sinned. So admit that you're a sinner. And here's the big thing, you have to be sorry for your sin. You have to be the place where you're understanding that you've sinned against a holy God and you're sorry for that. And then asking Jesus to forgive you. See, the wages of sin is separation from God. The Bible calls it death. Spiritual death, that's a grossness. The good thing is Jesus Christ came and took that separation and repaired it and took the wrath that you deserve that we read about here and took it upon himself and now he holds out for you this receipt that your debt is paid in full. So if you want that relationship, say this prayer with me. And you can say it out loud, you can say it silently, but the important thing, you gotta mean it, it's gotta come from your heart. If you're backslidden, 
man, come home. Come back to Jesus tonight. Be that person who you're going to come and you're going to have that fellowship once again that's been broken. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer right where you're at and call on the name of the Lord. Jesus, tonight I confess that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now, I want you to come into my heart and change me. God, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.